Hello and welcome to The World In Her Words, where we inspire black women and women of color to take control of their careers through sharing strategies, advice, and inspirational stories. I'm your host, Aisha Suleiman, and to check out more of our content, sign up to our mailing list, or to say hello, go to our website, theworldinherwords.com. Welcome to the show, Tolu. Hiya, thank you for having me. So tell us, who is Tolu? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey so far. Who am I? Well, first of all, you need to Google me. Um, but, <laughs> but in all honesty, who am I? I mean, and this is going to sound super cliche, but I say this all the time. I say meeting me is an experience. So who am I? I am an experience. And I'm the kind of person that once you've met me, you do not forget. So if you ever see me outside and say, oh, sorry, have we met? You're lying. We have met because you don't forget meeting me. And that's who I am. I'm somebody who I'm full on life. I'm full of energy. I give myself to all that I do. So um, I'm a lover of people. I'm a pursuer of purpose. Um, I'm somebody who prides myself in doing things and doing things well. Other things that are quite interesting about me, I'm a quadruplet. So that is quite a unique to my context. And that, that also informs how I show up in life. So for those of you that don't know what a quadruplet is, that's four kids born at the same time, all in the same tummy. So I refer to us as womb mates. So those are my fellow womb mates. And that um, also plays a big part in who I am and probably my personality um, as well. So that's a bit about me. That's amazing. I don't think I've ever met a quadruplet in my life. You so this is the first. Actually. Yeah, well, <laughs> technically, and not one to boast, but technically we're one in a million. But I think actually, I think actually back in the day when we were born, the prevalence of having a, a quadruple pregnancy was actually one in a million. So we used to say, oh, we're one in a million. But I think now it's probably one in every 700,000 pregnancies, obviously with the increase in like fertility, IVF, etc. So it is quite rare because I haven't met a quadruple either. That's amazing. And when I talked to you, I remember when we first met, I was like, wow, this woman she's so confident and even your intro I'm just loving it I'm like snapping my fingers (laughs) clapping here in the background so I want to ask you what is confidence and where do you think that comes from what is confidence I think you know and there's masterclass there's TED talks there's videos there's books all on confidence and for me if I look at myself and my life confidence is is that still that small that quiet voice in you that says you can do this And one thing I've noticed is that voice gets louder and louder and louder the more you try things out and then you prove to yourself that you can do this. So for me, confidence is almost it's equally a self-fulfilling prophecy as it is a virtuous cycle. And it just continues. So the more you you tell yourself and you hear from yourself, you can do this, the more likely you are to do things. And then when you do it, you believe in yourself because you got it done. And then you continue to tell yourself that you can do this. I'm reminded actually of of like babies. So um, people that know me know that I love babies. I'm like everyone's favorite auntie. And so it's like a baby when a baby first starts learning how to walk they take those first few steps and everyone's saying oh yeah you can do it you can do it you can do it and then they keep stepping they keep walking and then they do it and they get more confident and they keep walking and it continues so that's kind of um yeah and that's the kind of what confidence is to me I think the most important thing is is that I oftentimes feel like confidence comes from within you I've worked with people who are amazing who are great I know people who are amazing and they're great but there's no amount of encouragement that I can give them that will make a difference until they receive that and until they have that confidence to believe in themselves and their potential so I do think it's an inside job it can be supported by the externals but I do think confidence is an inside job and it is that small that still that quiet voice inside you that says you can do this yeah and I think especially for career stuff right because if we take things like public speaking presentations there is no magic shortcut to becoming good at them right? You just have to keep doing them and you have to feel the fear, be terrified, be nervous and still 
get past it and then keep doing it over and over again. And what you said about the voice, it's also listening to the voice, right? The voice that's going to say to you, well, you did it the last time and you managed to get through that. So maybe this time it won't be so bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think there's something to be said if we take away from the career point of view, just in general in life, doing scary things. So one of the things I started to learn how to do a couple of years ago was swimming. And I didn't want to learn how to swim because when I was young, I was in a boating accident. So it made me terrified of water. And then a couple of years ago, I said, you know what, I'm going to learn how to do this thing that terrifies me so much. But now I swim pretty much every, almost every morning. So like at least three times a week. And what I found was anytime I feel scared, I then tell myself, well, you learn how to swim. Like that was pretty terrifying for you. So you know, whatever it is, you're going to get past it because you've done it before. I love that, actually. Learning to swim is something I haven't yet mastered. It's the kind of thing I did as a kid. And then actually, I think the older I got, I lost my water confidence. So you might have challenged me to get back into swimming. Yeah. All right. So where does confidence come from? We've talked about that. But what reduces confidence? And I mean, in terms of specific behaviors. Well, what reduces confidence? And I, and I won't lie, I haven't always been a confident person. And I think that's something I have to be really clear and upfront with. I, mean, I haven't always been a confident person and that's something that I've had to learn and when I reflect on my journey especially in my younger years some of the things that reduced my confidence first thing was self-doubt so never thinking that I could do something never thinking I was good enough I also had this really weird fear of people and therefore I attached so much importance to what people thought about me or what they would say so if I did something and people said oh I don't like that then that would like that would literally crush me Or if I did something and someone said, that's not good, that would literally crush me. So there was that self-doubt and a lot of that self-doubt was attached to my perception of self, which was anchored by how I thought I'd be perceived. Um, And that's probably quite a lot of a mouthful. So I think for me, it's that self-doubt and not believing in yourself. But then also, like I said, you know, giving other people power over yourself. So allowing somebody else's behavior and comments to limit you um, or to affect your confidence, that's quite dangerous. Because, you know, we talk a lot about things like imposter syndrome and imposter syndrome is both how you feel about yourself, but actually sometimes how environments make you feel, right? You know, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, I'm, I'm not, I don't have imposter syndrome. I'm somebody who's in an environment that makes me feel like an imposter. And they're not the same things. And it took me a while to realize they're not the same things. When I struggle with self-doubt or, or lack of belief in myself, that's one thing. But if I actually know that I'm good at what I, what I do or who I am, and I show up in an environment that tries to make me feel smaller, that's another thing. So actually, when I see people who are you know struggling with confidence in life and not just at work, and it's oftentimes assigned or attributed to imposter syndrome, sometimes it's the environment, it's the people in the workplace, it's, it's sometimes it's the workplace bullying, it's somebody telling you you can't do something, it's the microaggressions, it's being micromanaged outside of work, you know, even in social settings, sometimes it's it's frenemies, right? We you know we look we look at shows like Mean Girls and all that kind of films, it's frenemies, it's having the the friend who is really not your friend, but they're kind of around you, nitpicking at you and 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 trying to erode the things that give you worth. So I think for me, it's things like imposter syndrome, it's things like self-doubt, but it's also things like bullying, it's things like having frenemies. And sometimes it's as much the internal as it is also the environmental and the external things that can erode erode confidence. Yep, absolutely. Especially on the bullying point, frenemies, all of that. And I think there's something to be said for when you tolerate that, that also reduces your confidence. So Mm. when, when you sort of allow people to treat you badly, talk to you any kind of way, whether that's personally or professionally, that does erode your confidence. But I think when you stick up for yourself and say, actually, it's not okay for you to speak to me in that way, it's not okay for you to you know, treat me that way, that gives you confidence because then you're like, at least I'm sticking up for myself. 
And that's something that I think can also build your confidence because mm-hmm. the more you set those boundaries and the more you set, you know, an expectation of how you'll be treated, that also gives you the confidence to look at the other aspects of your life as well. Because then you'd be like, well, actually, do I really like my job? Could mm-hmm. I be getting paid more? Am I really accepting this treatment from this this relationship? So I think there's also something to be said for that. Yeah, I completely agree. What other ways can you build confidence that we've talked about, you know, sticking up for yourself? How else do you think someone can build confidence? So for me, do you know what really, really helped to get me out of my rut? It was to sit down, and this is going to sound so cliche, but it was to sit down and to sit down with myself. It's taken me a long time, especially being a quadruplet, right? So, you know, you're born and you come into the world with four, with three other people. You go to the same schools, you live in the same house. People expect you to be the same. And so for a long time, I had no idea of self or identity or who I was. I was just kind of part of a group, right? Part of a crew. And actually spending the time to sit with myself and say, who am I? What do I like? What don't I like? What are my strengths? What are not my strengths? And not doing it in a place of comparison because growing up, we've always been compared. How comes this person does that? You were the first to walk. You were the first to read, et cetera, et cetera. But actually really sitting down with myself and saying, who am I? And when I sat down and I said, actually, you know what? Because now I understand a bit more about who I am, I also know who I'm not. So actually I can be 100% confident in who I am because that's who I've agreed to be. So that's the contract I am writing and signing with myself. Tolu, this is who you are. Everything, everything else outside of that, that's counterfeit. I didn't sign that contract. Those are your terms of engagement. So if you come to me, expecting me to be that, well, I'm really sorry, sis. That's not why I agreed to be. That's not who I am. You cannot enforce that upon me. So my confidence actually came from sitting down and understanding who I am. We talk a lot about what do you bring to the table? Well, actually, that was part of it, right? From a professional perspective, what do I bring to the table? Because I'm also very, 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 um, very realistic with myself, right? So we talk a lot about imposter syndrome, but equally around confidence. And the reason I no longer struggle with imposter syndrome is because I know exactly what it is I bring to the table. And I know exactly what it is I thrive at, I excel at, and what it is I'm very mediocre at, and what it is I'm very basic at. I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses. And so I will never allow you to make me feel any kind of way because I've already accepted that's my weakness. And guess what? I've made a decision about whether or not it's something I want to strengthen or actually I'm happy with it being a weakness, for instance. So I had to take that time out to really look within myself, even like in a relational social setting. I'm very sensitive. People talk about it all the time. Oh, Tolu, you're so sensitive. I know I'm sensitive, but my sensitivities allow me to be a good friend and to show up for you. My sensitivities allow me to read between the lines. My sensitivity is the reason why when we're out at a party, we're out at an event and there's 50, 20, 30 people, I can see that you're the one that's not speaking. You're the one that's quiet. You're the one that's withdrawn. That's what my sensitivities allow me to do. And I've had to really understand my characteristics, my qualities, my personality, and see actually what are the benefits, the attributes, and actually what what things I need to work on and what things I need to strengthen. So I would definitely say sitting with yourself and understanding who you are and not just allowing people to throw labels and terms on you. Because actually I can turn around and I can call you confident, but if you don't feel confident, then there's no point. I can turn around and say, you're so good at this. You're an amazing person at doing that. And if you don't see it for yourself, you will never receive it. So really spending that time out to sit with yourself. And if you want, you can make it, you can write it down. You can literally do like a little, you know, 
good things, good qualities, um, and really the time to get to know yourself. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of for me a really key way to build that confidence is to really know and understand yourself. But that's a process, and that definitely won't happen overnight. Because this is for me, this is years worth of investing in myself, and yeah, and and, and looking myself up in the mirror, and finally being happy with what I see in the reflection. You know what? So many gems. First of all, self awareness is key to everything. Any yeah. sort of personal development, you need to know yourself, have knowledge of self, because exactly what you said, if you know who you are, it's a lot harder to shake you, right? And and shake that sense of self. The other thing is, I love the fact that you touched on being a sensitive person and the benefits, because often people like to throw sensitive, like, oh, you know, you're too sensitive, like it's a yeah. bad thing. But as you said, there's so many benefits to being a sensitive person. But it's interesting that it's only thrown in your face when usually they're saying something you don't, you know, that you're not receiving. <laughs> they're saying something that is probably trash and you're reacting. And then it's like, oh, you're sensitive. Okay. Yeah. Where was this energy when I was doing all the nice things for you? <laughs> um, but, you know, speaking of, of confidence, um, one of our followers on Instagram asked, when is the right time to ask for a raise? And is it appropriate to ask your male co-workers what they get paid? What do you think about that? The right time to ask for a raise is every day. Okay, because we need more money in this life. There's yes. going on right now. No, in all seriousness, actually. And, and when is the right time to ask for a raise? Because it's interesting. I think you should always ask for a raise if it's, it's, it's on the table. But I think timing is key. So I love the question. When is the right time? I think sometimes we forget that there are processes. Um, some things are, are, are context dependent and they depend on other decisions being made. So I think, and actually I'll, I'll start with the story and then I'll, I'll actually make the point. So I've never been given a pay rise in a job and I've actually always had to leave in order to get paid what I'm worth in the market. And I use that phrase a lot, worth in the market, because it's about your worth and and it's about the market and the market is what people are willing to pay right and so many employers and I'll be honest um, they love the fact that I will come in I will over deliver I will excel I would add incredible amounts of value to their business but when it's time to discuss pay rises they refer you back to your job description okay and they tell you that that's all well and good that's amazing but actually what we're paying you to do is x and within the confines of your job description we are paying you commensurate to the job that we are asking you to do, not what you are delivering, mind you. So they will only pay you for your job description, not necessarily for the actual value that you're getting. And so many times you end up having to leave to go up and to get more. So I think it's always the right time to ask for a pay rise. You may not always get it. However, I would always say ask for the pay rise at the time that you think that you can consistent, because it's the consistency, mind you, that you can consistently demonstrate that you've actually met or exceeded your deliverables, your KPIs, your goals. Like it's not a fluke, it's consistent. And I'm consistently doing this on an ongoing basis. So it's not a case of asking for a pay rise like three months in just because I've started to do some stuff. Give yourself time that you can prove, um, A, what you're doing, how it's adding value to the business. You've got good stakeholder buying, so people can also vouch for you as well. But the interesting point that I will labor here is also at a point where you feel like you've got good worth in the market. Because also, when you are having the conversation about a pay rise, you can't just say, give me more money and start pulling numbers out of the air. You have to say, well, based on the kind of work that I'm doing, this role, this work, what the value that I'm providing is actually worth X amount in the market, right? Sometimes, and don't quote me, even though we're literally on a public podcast, um, but sometimes you also have to be willing to walk away. So if you put down terms on the table, you put numbers down on the table, if they're not met, you have to decide where do you go from there. So sometimes you know and and I, and I and I oftentimes coach people in the process of negotiation and sometimes I do say but if we are gonna if you are gonna you know you have strategies if you are gonna go down this route you may have to be willing to walk away if you if, if you turn around and say I'm worth 40% more in the market you're not paying me I'm going to walk 
and an employer calls your bluff and says, okay, well, I'm sorry, we can't meet that. You're going to have to decide that you're either going to walk or you decide to stay. But then your employer now knows that actually you are willing to stay and keep doing more for less. And now they know that about you. So that's the first bit. In terms of asking a male coworker, that's interesting, actually. And because I work so, but by profession, I work in the world of diversity, equity and inclusion. I have rarely worked with a man in my team who's at the same level as me and actually so I've either worked for a male boss or I've had somebody in my team who's perhaps junior to me so I've never really been in that direct position where I've had somebody who technically is at the same level should be earning relatively around the same amount for the same amount of work so I've never actually had that but if I did I think I absolutely would and depending on the relationship as well if we have that kind of relationship I think I, I think I probably would ask and say um you know if, if I had a male colleague side by side I'd say yeah actually you know if you're comfortable to share should we discuss that the reason being because I've had similar conversations with women in the workplace primarily women of color in the workplace being specific black women in the workplace even in different roles so we're at the same grade in different roles and we often chop it up about pay because we have to make sure that as black women and let's call ourselves sisters in this instance we're not being shafted you know and if we are being shafted for doing work at a similar grade then how do we coach and encourage that person to get what they're worth because let's be very honest and I will talk about the, the wider work culture but I will also talk a little bit about the community that I'm, I come from which is the black community the Nigerian community there is a bit of a wall of silence around pay and actually a wall of silence around pay equity in the workplace and you know many of us in the dni space we talk about pay gaps the reason there are pay gaps apart from the shortcomings of employers is also employee silence right so we're not talking about it you know i've been in situations where and i, I can laugh about it now but i've been in situations where i've reached out to to friends i'm not talking about colleagues i'm not talking about acquaintances actual friends to discuss pay i'm not asking you for your tax code i'm not asking you for what you take home at the end of the month i'm not asking you for your base pay i'm asking you for a broad category of roles in this sector or at this level what do you think we should be getting paid and people have sent me to glass door really bro i'm asking you as a friend like if i'm if i'm, if I'm in a role at this level what kind of number should i be asking for oh you should check out glass door. okay so we have this culture of silence um and that can be quite painful so for me personally i have no problem speaking about salary i've had many conversations with people encouraged and coached people into into getting more and um, both you know internally externally etc etc but i do think we have this wall of silence and i do think that that is one of the reasons why we do have sections of the workforce who are underpaid both from a gender perspective and an ethnicity perspective. So I would ask a male colleague what he's getting paid. I don't know if he would tell me, but I would ask. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for asking as well, especially with roles, like especially things like sales roles, not necessarily yeah. the commission, just knowing like what, what the base is, but you definitely need to build some sort of relationship with them because yeah. if they don't really know you like that, they might be like, why are you asking me about my salary? So if you're going to ask someone that, you definitely need to build a relationship with them. But I also think some of the points you mentioned around the raise, right? So making sure you're hitting your goals and KPIs. So that is always a good point to start the conversation. So even before, let's say you want to ask for a raise three months from now, then three months before you ask for that raise, you need to be figuring out what are your goals? Hopefully you already have those, you know, that's just good management. You should have goals, but understanding what is, what is, you know, being effective and then what is exceeding because then, as you've said, you can then start to then say, okay, look, consistently I've exceeded the expectations, but yes, please ask men what they get paid, but make sure you build a relationship with them. All right. So my last question for you is what is the best advice you've ever been given in your career? Best advice I've ever been given in my career. See, now you said best because people love to give you advice, whether it's requested. Okay, top three. 
<laughs> top three. Okay, do you know what? The first one is sell yourself. Yep, sell yourself. And because like I said, people people meet me now and they have no idea I was a shell of myself. I lacked confidence. Um, I was very much of the generation or, or or raised by the generation of parents who are very much kind of put your head down, work hard. Your, your hard work will speak for you. Well, absolutely it won't. Okay. You need to turn the volume up. You need to add the subtitles and you need to get that broadcasted because people will, people will see your good work and then they'll just take it as a given because you're not talking about it. I'll never forget. And yeah, I'll, never, I'll, I'll say it out loud. I'll never forget. I was working. So I was like, I was a manager consultant working in finance at the time before I transitioned into DNI and I was working on a team and I was the only black person um, we were in a client team I was the only black person on my team the only black woman on my floor and I'll never forget um, we had a young guy a young intern guy and he had sent an email to like a couple people like an update or whatever but he made sure everybody knew he sent that email oh so and so did you did you get my email yeah okay yeah yeah okay did, did, did you get the email and I just thought oh my gosh is this a PR campaign for an email and as an intern we all laughed about it but, and this was about eight years ago I've never forgotten about it but that as a skill if it can be honed and cultivated will serve him well in, in his working life because even as an intern he knew the value of letting people know what you're doing selling yourself right because actually if if when it came down to find out if they were going to convert his internship into a full-time offer people turned around and said well what did he do oh I don't know I, I don't know but now he was letting us know that he was sending the emails he was so now we can say okay well he's doing stuff we've heard from him and we've heard his voice so for me the first thing is sell yourself because ultimately if you don't sell yourself people don't know what they can buy yeah that's the first mm. thing the I second thing that. for me is yeah they don't know what they can buy you know, say what you will. There are certain brands in this world that like they stay selling. Like you'll always know what they've got on. Is it not the DFS sale? They've been closing down since I was. Boohoo, pretty little thing. <laughs> All the time. There's always something. There's a capsule collection. There's a summer edit. There's a Liberty from Love Island. There's a Nicole Scherzinger. They're, they're, in, they're literally inside your esophagus. That's how far they've come inside. Inside your esophagus <laughs> to tell you what they're selling so that you can buy and all of a sudden you find yourself saying oh actually do i do i need this new dress no you don't but they've told you you might right so that's the first thing sell yourself or else people don't know what they can buy the second thing is then the power of using i and i never used to do that a lot so we're talking about confidence so i do want to speak about this a lot of us especially as minority groups women women of color different religious groups etc um we speak a lot about the royal we and we laugh about it right because we talk about it you know the queen the royal we and we say we 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 but we use we as a way because perhaps we lack the confidence to stand 10 toes down on our own two feet. So rather than saying, I did, I am, I believe, I feel, I think, we say we. We did this, we did that, we discussed. Because respectfully, right, you can have a discussion with two people, but ultimately one of you, you can come to a middle ground, but one of you is normally the driving force. We discussed it and we decided that, well, no, actually, if you were the decision maker, I decided that. And we don't use I enough. So especially in the workplace, the power of I, but actually our outside of work also the power of I in relationships and friendships outside of that speaking up for yourself I, I, I often say don't speak on behalf of somebody unless they can't speak for themselves so if you still have the power to speak for yourself speak in your first person I said I believe I feel I think I would like you to do I would like you to stop doing and when we talk about having healthy conversations even with friends partners except even with kids you know we're talking a lot now, not a lot now in the last you know two or three years about how children are being raised right using the power of I and teaching people the sense of self and identity by being able to speak up on your own behalf and then what's another piece of advice so three so the first thing I get sell yourself the next thing is power of I this isn't necessarily advice that I've been given but this is advice that I 
you know have coined for myself and this has served me both outside of work but inside of work so I'll throw this in and for me I'm a big believer and this is something that especially like the last two years is really especially with the COVID context right because for a long time I felt that COVID had put life on hold and that life had passed me by so I kind of felt like I'm in my prime season things should be happening x y and z but actually because of COVID I'm no longer able to enjoy certain experiences or do certain things. And it just dawned on me and I, and, and I had to reflect and say, nothing that's behind me is greater than what lies ahead of me. nothing. There's not a relationship. There's not a job. There's not a person. There's not even a meal, honey, because I haven't even eaten all of the best meals. There's nothing <laughs> behind me. There's not even an experience. And I've had some amazing experiences. Nothing that's behind me is greater than what lies ahead of me. And that's something that really helps me to stay grounded to not enter into a scarcity mindset when I feel like, oh my gosh, what I have now is the best I will ever have. Like nothing, like <laughs> newsflash and plot twist. I haven't even peaked yet. Look at that. Hey, look at yes, that. yes. My best days are ahead of me. Look at that. Yes. I done my best work. I haven't worn my best outfit. I haven't slayed my best face. I haven't mm-hmm. met my best person. I have, do you know what I mean? Like everything that is lies ahead of me is greater than, than what I've walked away from or what lays behind what lies behind me. It's like when you're in school and you think secondary school is the most amazing place and all of your friends there are the most amazing people. And then 10 years down the line, you actually only see like one of them in your local Asda like <laughs> once. But at that moment in time, it felt like it was the best. And then actually, as you transition, you realize nothing, there's not a single thing that's behind you that's greater than what lies ahead of you. And that has even served me even in the world of work as well as personally. So that's not advice that I've been given, but that's something that I've really come to grips with. In the I last love that. I love that. And this is why I love getting older, because I, I, I feel like as I get older, life just gets better. And each year yeah. I look back and I'm like, wow, like, look at the upgrade. Look at how yeah. much better things have been but yeah. it's also about investing in yourself right and I think if you invest in yourself you know work on your confidence work on yourself then things just get better as you yeah. age period and I think you also adopt the mindset that allows you to see things as better because um, yes. hindsight is a beautiful thing right like there's things that we go through things that we enjoy things that we also enjoy and it's only with hindsight you really understand so when I was going through this actually it allowed me to do x one z a b and c but it's the power of perspective and oftentimes that perspective and that renewed perspective comes with hindsight and oftentimes your ability to address it in hindsight comes with maturity which sometimes although not always synonymous with comes with age yeah and it's all part of that growing up growing up glowing up and getting wiser and that's what we're yes. doing yes growing up glowing up and getting wiser i love that i'm gonna put that on one of our instagram posts <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining today, Tolu. Love, love, love your words of wisdom. Love your energy. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for having me. And I'm so glad to be able to just share and pour out. So yeah, thank you so much. If you want to join our community of Black women and women of color to talk more about this topic, then follow our LinkedIn or Instagram page. I'd love to hear from you. To read the show notes for this episode, go to theworldinherwords.com. Take good care of yourself. 